Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast, coming up. The rise of social media, while it's not the cause of anxiety, I think it does make things worse. It means that there's more pressure on us, we don't switch off as much, we're more likely to compare ourselves to other people, so I think that can play a role. I think the pace of life, as technology has improved, the pace of life has increased. So I think that has added to you know, stresses on people. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online, to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. So I've got a great guest for you guys today. It's Chloe Brotheridge. You may know her already from her Instagram page. She shares a lot about how to overcome anxiety, how to feel better, how to feel calmer in the mind, and shares a lot of mindfulness techniques as well. And Chloe is a qualified hypnotherapist. She's a professionally trained business and personal coach, as well as a nutritionist. She's the author of two really great books, The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl, which are really worth checking out. And she really helps people with anxiety, confidence, public speaking, stress and sleep issues. She just has a wealth of knowledge that she can share with us. And I really wanted her on this podcast because I felt like it aligned so beautifully with everything in the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method and that she was able to give us tips and advice that we could just easily and simply put into our day-to-day life. So let's get straight into this episode with Chloe. Chloe, thank you so much for being on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So I feel like you've had the coolest Christmas holiday of anyone I know. Can you tell (laughs) us where you've been? So I, I was on an expedition in the Amazon rainforest. I was in Peru and also in Brazil So we definitely weren't having a traditional Christmas. We were staying with a tribe from the Amazon and getting involved in all their activities, lots of singing and dancing and different plant medicines and things. So it was a real adventure, complete with very big spiders and ants, which was a bit bit scary, but I feel amazing for it, to be honest. And what made you want to do that? Well, I've been interested in traditional cultures for a long time. I really wanted to go somewhere and learn some Spanish. And I'm really interested in healing and personal development. And the shamanic cultures of the Amazon have, you know, very unique and interesting ways of um, healing and spiritual development. So I really wanted to explore that side of it. 
That's amazing. And did you get a chance to sort of connect with people? Did you get to sort of learn anything about shamanic healing? Was that sort of what what you did when you're there or did it go on a a different path? Yeah, so it was a lot about healing, a lot of ceremonies. Mm. Um, We were in the tribe with about 100 people in in this village, right in the middle of the Brazilian Amazon. There were no roads going there. So you had to get boats and little planes and things. And they had a lot of different ceremonies. They have a lot of different plant medicines from ayahuasca to something called hape, which is a tobacco medicine. And um, yeah, so we got involved in all of that and had a lot of, you know, firsthand experiences and getting to work with the shamans and seeing them work and witnessing, you know, how their community works and they're constantly singing, constantly dancing and a lot of joy. Um, obviously, they have a lot of, you know, problems themselves and yeah. life can be hard for them. But um, it was a real honour to, to get to learn from them and experience their culture. Gosh, I'm sure it was. And did you come back sort of personally feeling any different or is it sort of brought you back into your daily life in a different way? I think there's a process of integration that takes a bit of time Mm. and I'm definitely integrating. I I went into central London this week and I felt a little bit overwhelmed with all the busyness and I thought I need to get back into the the fast pace of city life. A lot of of appreciation for actually this country and the, the privileges and the luxury that we have, like running water. You know, in the village there was no running water, so we were washing in a stream and you know, filtering water ourselves and that sort of thing. So I have a lot of um, appreciation for those things that maybe before I'd taken for granted. And definitely a connection, a greater connection to nature, greater connection to my body, you know, desire to create more community here in London. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that I'm taking away from it. For sure. And you talk about healing and obviously healing is very much a part of what you do professionally. And how do you think that experience has sort of helped you since you've been back in terms of your professional life? Because obviously you're a hypnotherapist. You work a lot with people in helping them to feel better, to change thought patterns and behaviours. So has that experience sort of trickled anyway into what you do day to day in your life in London? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think a lot of the experiences I had with the shamanic ceremonies, um, it's often about healing things from the past and feeling your feelings and processing things. And it's a really good reminder for me when I'm working with my clients to help people to connect to feeling things and not suppressing their feelings and actually dealing with the things from the past that are at the root of their anxiety or their issues with confidence. And yeah, I think whenever I have an experience of healing, it it gives me more tools and more insights to be able to help other people. And certainly in those areas of feeling feelings and processing the past. Definitely. And what made you, first of all, want to become a hypnotherapist? Where did your journey start? Yes, I had a lot of anxiety growing up. I was a shy child from an early age. And when I became a teenager, I think the mixture of hormones and discovering alcohol and you know pressure of exams led to me having panic attacks at about 15. I had a, a, quite a lot of social anxiety and having those panic attacks really I really felt out of control. I felt like this 
anxiety could strike at any moment. And it was very frightening. And I didn't really know how to deal with it. And I didn't know anyone else who had anxiety, wasn't spoken about at school. None of my friends had ever had a panic attack. And like a lot of people who have panic attacks, I, I would end up in hospital thinking that I was dying because wow. you really feel like you're having a heart attack when you have a panic attack. So around that time, I, I think I remember, I didn't really get any help. I think the school nurse said something quite tactless, like, what have you got to worry about? Or, you know, just don't panic or something really <laughs> not very helpful. And that kind of put me off wanting to get help. I just thought, this is the way I am. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to put up with this. It wasn't until about 10 years later, when I was about 25, that I discovered things like hypnotherapy recordings that really helped. And I got into meditation and I had a lot of different types of therapy and really went on a, a mission to become a calmer person because it, it had got to the point where I couldn't put up with feeling anxious any longer. And yeah, so I, I first discovered hypnotherapy through mp3s and recordings so not even going to see a hypnotherapist in the first instance and that really helped me and I was curious about yeah where that could lead and because I'd grown my confidence and become a calmer person through that I wanted to be able to help other people and so I ended up training um, about nine years ago now to be hypnotherapist and then I did coaching and um, added that on to what I was doing as well so yeah I've been doing this for nine years now Gosh, you have been on such a journey, but I'm sure that journey that you've been on really helps you with your clients. It must help you to relate to how they're feeling, but also relate to that journey that they're on in terms of overcoming it as well. Yeah, I know that a lot of people get a lot of encouragement from knowing that you can make progress with anxiety and with your mental health, that you don't need to be stuck feeling the way that you do and that things do work and can help. And I think a lot of therapists say this, that you end up attracting clients that have had a similar life story to you. So I often yeah. hear, you know, a lot of similar experiences that my clients are experiencing that I've been through as well. And I know that people um, appreciate you know, being understood in that way. Definitely. And obviously your specialist area is anxiety and helping people to overcome that anxiety, as you've just talked about. How do you think in the last nine years as a whole, maybe as a nation within your clients, what do you think has changed? So when you started helping people nine years ago compared with now, is there any difference or would you say that people are still coming with pretty much the same issues that they want to overcome? That's a hard question for me to answer because over the last five or six years, anxiety has become my world. So I mm -hmm. notice, you know, that everywhere and people tell me about their anxiety everywhere because that's what I do. I mean, I used to, when I first started out, work with people for smoking and weight management and that sort of thing. And I, I really specialized about probably six years ago to help people with anxiety but I suppose in terms of how things have changed, I mean, there was no Instagram nine years ago. Yeah. And I think that the rise of social media, while it's not the cause of anxiety, I think it does make things worse. It means that there's more pressure on us. We don't switch off as much. We're more likely to compare ourselves to other people. So I think that can play a role. And I think the pace of life as technology has improved the pace of life has increased so I think that has added to 
you know, stresses on people. And, you know, I'm always hearing about how, you know, in the UK, the NHS isn't able to support all the people that need help with their mental health. So there's often very long waiting lists for people. And unfortunately, you know, budgets are going down as rates of mental health issues are going up. So um, I know that's a that's a big problem as well. Absolutely. And if someone's listening to this and resonating with what you say in terms of the pressure of social media and how Instagram might be affecting them, maybe it's giving them anxiety, maybe it's affecting their confidence. Do you have any sort of first steps that somebody can take to overcome that? I always recommend that people, if they're really struggling, go and speak to their doctor. Even if they do have to wait on a waiting list for a year, you may as well get on the waiting list. And they might have other suggestions like group therapy, depending on where you live. So I always suggest that to people. But I think there's, there's so much that we can do ourselves to counteract the pressures of modern life. And I really think that we need a toolkit to counteract all the pressure that we're under we we need something to support ourselves and help us because we don't live in a very natural way Mm -hmm. all the rushing around not getting enough sleep having you know not great diets often all these things are not really how we evolved to live and so we do need something to counteract that so I'm a big fan of having little tools and moments of self-care and boundaries around social media that can you know help you to feel supported in the midst of all the busyness of life that's such great advice and something that I find really helpful is I actually turn my phone off at seven o'clock every evening and it doesn't go on till seven o'clock the next morning and I find just if I've got that time where there's just no technology that really helps me because Obviously, what I do is massively online based. So being very active on social media is really, really important, but it can consume you massively. And something I find I do is I just go into my Instagram app or I go into my Gmail app or my Facebook app without even consciously realise that I'm doing it. So maybe I'm just walking upstairs. Maybe I'm just about to go to the toilet, but I'll grab my phone. I'll quickly look at something. And it's amazing how it can so quickly change your mindset, change your your mood not even in a necessary in a positive way so I find that actually if I have that boundary of seven o'clock every night the phone has to go off that really helps me do you do any sort of social media detoxes anyway or have any any sort of boundaries in in that sort of similar way I love that idea of turning it off at 7 p.m that's a, that's a brilliant <laughs> one I have gone through phases of deleting Instagram every day it sounds wow. excessive and then just installing it and doing my videos and doing my you know, answering messages and then deleting it again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bit of a pain to delete it and reinstall it. But if you're somebody that feels compelled to to pick it up, and there are definitely times when I feel that compulsion, mm-hmm. um, it can help. Sometimes I'll put it in a drawer, my phone, or keep it in another room, just so it's out of out of sight and out of mind, and I'm less likely to pick it up. That's such a good idea. And I feel like just little tools like that can help us all so much. You know, even if you don't rely on social media for your work or for your business, it is so easy to be consumed by it in, in such a such a big way, really. 
Um, something which um, I also found really, really interesting when I was I was looking through your social media, I was doing lots of Chloe research yesterday, sort <laughs> of just just getting to know your beliefs and, and, and what you do. And something I found so intriguing, which I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is from your book, Brave New Girl, is all about walking away from gossip and not actually being involved in that sort of that bitchiness and that that sort of gossipy way that that can be around all of us so much and how much that can actually help us with reducing anxiety and just feeling more mindful can you talk us through a little bit more about that yes definitely so I, you know, a few years ago started learning about shadow work from the work of Carl Jung. And he, when he's teaching about this or when he taught about this, was describing how when we think badly about another person or we criticize another person or we dislike something about someone else, it's because we have that same quality within ourselves that we are denying and suppressing so I think in the book Brave New Girl I use the example of how in the past I used to criticize really confident women and I used to think to myself who does she think she is she's such a show-off you know she's way too big of her boots and actually what was happening it wasn't actually anything to do with this other person that I was criticizing it was actually to do with me and the fact that I didn't think that it was okay for me to be confident and for me to be outgoing because I'd grown up with this message from my mum that being a show-off is a bad thing and Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't show off. So when we're criticising another person, when we dislike something about someone else, it's very often actually about us and what we dislike about ourselves and what we're suppressing, a part of ourselves that we're suppressing. And Carl Jung called this the shadow when we're speaking badly about other people, we're actually hurting ourselves. And it's actually a a sign and a signal to what we need to love and accept about ourselves. So that's just an interesting thing for people to notice, you know, Mm. thinking about what they, what they dislike about other people. And actually, that could be the part of yourself that you really need to forgive and accept and heal. So yeah, if we can use use our bitchiness as actually a bit of a mirror to what we need to heal in ourselves. It can be a very healing experience. And when we speak badly about other people, it's the same part of our brains that we use to criticize ourselves. And everyone who bitches about other people, more than likely, I would say, also puts themselves down and is self-critical. So if we want to be kinder to ourselves, a big component of it is also getting away from bitching and speaking badly about other people because the two are so connected. It's so important. And I just feel like that's something that is not really talked about enough. You know, we hear a lot about mindfulness and boosting confidence and helping to reduce our anxiety and helping our mental health. But actually, I think that's one of the first times that I've really heard that concept about walking away from from that gossip. There's actually somebody, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, she's called Lacey Phillips, and she talks a lot about expanders, which actually is a similar sort of concept. But she says, you know, when there's people that come into your life that maybe cause 
a bit of upset in some way or make you feel a sort of certain type of way that that doesn't sit right with you, then they're normally there to help you move further towards what you want and what you want to manifest. And they're sort of expanders. And actually, if you look at it like, well, why am I jealous of them? Or why do they make me feel negative? Or why do they make me feel angry? Then you can start to work out what parts of yourself and maybe what parts of your subconscious that you need to be working on, you need to be doing something about. So it's a similar sort of concept, I would say. Mm, I love that. I'll have to find her and follow her. Yes, for sure. And talking about our subconscious, I know obviously with your hypnotherapy, that's something you work with with people quite a lot. In terms of sort of how we can reprogram our subconscious, now I know this is a massive, massive subject, you know, and it really can take, I mean, it can take a lifetime to really, to really start working on our subconscious and even more than that. But if somebody's listening to this and starting to think, well, there's things that I know that are stuck and there's things that I really would like to reprogram in my subconscious, what would you say the first step is to, to sort of taking that journey? So I, I suppose the first thing is is it can be helpful, although it's not always necessary to know where it comes from. So where in your life did that pattern or that belief or that thought process, or that behavior originate from? And very often it's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So if you can look at your family and just think, actually, you know what, my mum was a real warrior or my dad had, you know, social anxiety you can start to recognize that it was something that you learned um, and that you, you know, because we're before the age of about eight, we are very receptive to things that we see and hear and things that happen. Our brains are really in download mode and we're learning about the world and how to be. And a lot of that we're learning from our parents. And of course, a lot of the things that we learn are really helpful for us. And there are other things that are less helpful. And we all have some subconscious baggage that we've taken on board that is weighing us down that's holding us back in some way so the first step is recognizing where it comes from and then there are a lot of different ways that you can start to change a subconscious belief I suppose one of them is hypnotherapy whether you listen to a recording or you see a hypnotherapist and that's where the therapist will help you to get into a very deep state almost like a daydream-like state of mind where your your subconscious gets into download mode again and that therapist can help you to make changes to those automatic thoughts and feelings and behaviors. Another way that we can change subconscious things is by, you know, repetition. So whether that is taking action in a certain way. So if you are, for example, on the shy side and you want to be more confident, taking action to go and speak to people, to move outside of your comfort zone is going to retrain your subconscious mind because you're behaving in a different way and with enough repetition that will start to change things at that deeper level. Or even repeating things in terms of what you say to yourself. So if you, um, one of the most common things that people tell me about that they struggle with is beating themselves up about things. So instead of beating yourself up, really starting to speak to yourself more kindly, making a conscious effort to be compassionate to yourself and with repetition that will start to change things in your subconscious mind and become more of a habit and become more automatic as you go along so those are two ways that you can change things 
Yes, that's all amazing advice. And something which I teach a lot and something which is sort of scattered throughout my face yoga book is affirmations, because I'm such a believer that actually if we start to use affirmations, even if we're not believing them consciously at first, they will trickle into our subconscious over time. And in terms of face yoga, you know, it isn't just all about exercising the face or massaging the face. A lot of it is also about changing the mindset, learning about self-care and about self-love and really looking at what's on the inside first. So I just wanted to take a little break in this episode to talk to you about face yoga teacher training. So have you ever thought about training to be a face yoga teacher? So you may want to do this because you want to start a brand new business. Maybe you want face yoga and teaching this to groups and to individuals to be your main business and your main job. If so, this course is fantastic for you. But maybe you think, well, I've already got a job or maybe you're at home with children. Perhaps you're retired and you fancy just doing something on the side, what I call a side hustle. So maybe you fancy teaching a few face yoga classes here and there. Maybe you would like to have just a couple of face yoga clients and you'd like to have this skill set under your belt. Perhaps you are a yoga teacher already. Maybe you teach Pilates or you're a personal trainer or fitness instructor. And perhaps you've been thinking for a while, you spent all of this time instructing people how to strengthen and tone and relax the muscles in their body. But there's that missing part to it. What about all of those 57 muscles above the collarbone? So in the neck, in the face, in the head area, these need training too. These need strengthening and toning as well. Many of our face yoga teachers come from that fitness, yoga, Pilates background And they actually integrate face yoga into their day-to-day teachings and day-to-day business. And it's perfect for your clients because it means they're really getting a full body workout. Not only are you teaching them how to work all the muscles in their body, but also their face as well. And this is great, as we know, from a wellness point of view, but also from an aesthetic and a beauty point of view as well. And talking about beauty, maybe you're a beauty therapist. Maybe you give people facials or massages or holistic treatments. And face yoga works beautifully with that. Lots of our teachers are beauty therapists. They give their treatments to their client at the end of a session. They then teach them a few face yoga techniques to do between treatments. And this works beautifully because it means that people can keep up the benefits from the treatment that you've given them between their sessions. Also, you can do a standalone treatment. So maybe you want to add face yoga to your treatment menu and offer clients one-to-one face yoga techniques so you can show them what to do and give them a program that they can do at home. Now, we sometimes have people come and do our courses who simply want to learn face yoga for themselves. They want to have that qualification and be able to teach others if they want to, but mostly they're doing it for themselves and maybe for their friends and family as well. And this is fantastic. So you can do this if you want to just learn for you, if you feel like gaining a new skill set and learning how to do face yoga properly. Now, you may be thinking, how do I actually train to be a face yoga teacher? Well, you don't need to have any experience beforehand and we have three different options. So option one is our distance learning. 
Now, this is a really good option if you like to study in your own time at your own pace. Perhaps you don't want to travel for a course. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you've got restrictions at home and you really enjoy studying slowly in your own time. Or maybe you want to do it because you want to get your qualification quickly and you want to dedicate a chunk of time to reading through your manual, to watching the videos, to doing your written assignment and then to doing your practical assignment via Skype. So distance learning is a really good option and it's our most affordable option as well. Option two works fantastically if you like working with other people. So we do a two day group teacher training course. Now, this is really good if you want to work in a small group. So we do between six and eight people over two days. You learn all of the skills, you get lots of practice, but you're also given time before the course to study the manual and you get a full comprehensive manual as well as video links that you can continue with your learning and study after you've gained your qualification in those two days. And our third option is one-to-one. Now you can do this via Skype or you can do this in person. Now with the group teacher training and the one-to-one, you can either do it with myself or you can do it with one of our super trainers of the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. So the super trainers are all around the UK and all around the world. So you can pick one that's closest to you or one that maybe you connect with best and then choose to do the training with them. Now, our courses are all fully accredited by the International College of Holistic Medicine and the Register of Exercise Professionals. It allows you to teach to groups and to individuals and is an international qualification. So you can teach anywhere in the world once you're qualified. So if you'd like more information on teacher training, you can go to faceyogaexpert.com or you can go straight to the link in the show notes. So let's get back to this episode. Do you use affirmations yourself? Do you teach affirmations to your clients? Yeah, I do. I have things like affirmations recordings I give to my clients in, in my courses and I definitely have a few phrases that I like to say to myself in moments where maybe things are a bit challenging. I like to say a couple. So one of my favorites is everything is happening perfectly. That's one of my favorites. That's a lovely and, one. And um, this too shall pass, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I definitely have a few that I like to use myself as well. Definitely. They're so nice to have that little toolkit. One of my favourite ones is I am enough. I find that one really, really helpful Mm. just to tell myself I am enough and I am worthy as well. You know, that's a a really, really powerful one. So I find that I often put a lot of pressure on myself to sort of do better. And even when I've done something, I think, well, could I have done better with that? And I know after years and years of sort of working on myself and going through my own journey, that that comes from very much being a, a perfectionist. When I was younger, really, and something which generally I've I've overcome, but certainly it trickles in sometimes. So I find those affirmations, I am enough and I am worthy, really, really helpful. Um, something I'd also really love to talk to you about is the need that we tend to all have these days about just wanting to be busy all the time. Do you think that that's quite a, a new sort of epidemic or do you think it's something that's just always been there, but we're all more aware of now? I mean, I hope it is starting to change, but certainly, mm. you know, a couple of years ago and probably even now, 
there's a certain badge of honor that, that we sometimes associate with busyness and you, there are memes going around Instagram about people boasting about how busy they are and it mm. being a competition to see who's yeah. got the most on and who's having the least sleep but I think when I think about it I notice that in our culture we associate busyness with success and yet in my own experience and from the people that I speak to when we're so busy that we're not sleeping properly and we're burning out and we're anxious and we're irritable because we're so stressed that is not what I would call success so I think we really need to examine that if we're getting caught up in a cycle of busyness or thinking that it's a badge of honor or thinking that it equals success and just really ask ourselves if that is working for us and I make a conscious effort in my own life to try to not be busy Often people ask me or say, Chloe, you must be so busy. And I always have to answer, which is the truth. I I try not to be too busy because that will trigger my anxiety. So Mm. I need to make taking care of myself and peace of mind my priority rather than trying to be um, on the go all the time. That just doesn't work for me. And a friend of mine recently said to me, oh, Chloe, I'm so glad you said that. That that gives me a bit of permission to be a bit less busy. So I hope people listening can maybe take that as inspiration to know that you don't need to be busy all the time. And success is something that we get to define for ourselves. I completely agree with that. And something that advice that I always give people, because I train people to be face yoga teachers, and they always say, you know, what do you think I should do? How many classes should I teach a week? How many clients should I have? And I always say, start off by writing down your dream week or your dream month or your dream year. Almost if you could wave a magic wand, what would your week or your month look like? And then take it from there, because actually everybody's definition of success, when they really give themselves permission to think about it, is very different. So one person, for example, might write down they want to teach three face yoga classes a week because that fits really nicely around having two children under three. Um, Maybe they've got another part-time job or maybe they're suffering from an illness or they can't do too much. Whereas for somebody else, their definition of success may be to earn a certain amount of money per year. So therefore they want to do this many classes and sessions, but also they want to make sure that they finish by six o'clock every night so they can spend time with their husband. So really it is about taking that time to think about what is my definition of success? And it doesn't always have to come down to money or to busyness or to what other people expect of us. It's almost saying, what makes me happy? If I could wave that magic wand, what would my week or my year look like? I love that. Oh, thank you. So I'd like to actually talking about face yoga. Do you have a um, a skincare routine that you do? Because you have lovely skin. You always look so nice on your Instagram photos. I've been watching a lot of your videos. and Have you? <laughs> not only are they very informative, I just find the way that you speak incredibly calming. So I think people with anxiety would just benefit from just hearing you speak in general. So I think the fact that you've got a podcast is amazing. But I love facial massage. I've been doing a lot of facial massage for the last few years and I find it really relaxing. And I've yeah, definitely learned some new things from watching your work. So that's the main thing that I like to do of an evening to 
get rid of the, the tension in my face and give myself a bit of a pampering as well. That's great. I mean, we hold so much tension in our face. It's just crazy. When we go into doing some of that massage, we actually sort of, we actually start to realise and become aware of particularly the jaw area. Do you find that's an area you hold a lot of your tension? Yeah, the jaw and I like to yeah massage in between my eyebrows and around the mm. eyes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Definitely. That's great. And in terms of sort of mindset and, and reducing anxiety, how do you think that that ties together in terms of the face and, and, and how we look and, and how our skin looks? Do you find when you work with clients and they start to reduce their anxiety, maybe feel a little calmer, a little bit more balanced, do you ever see any changes on their face or in their skin? Yeah, I think in terms of, you know, the tension that we can so often hold in the forehead and yeah around the eyes and the jaw I think um it definitely shows on every level when we're in a calmer place and you can tell when someone's in a, a calm state they have more of a, a glow about them I think it definitely shows on every level definitely and if you were to give us let's say three tips for self-care just easy things that you can do through your day what would they be so I suppose the first, maybe an overarching tip would be, and this is a mantra that I try to live my life by, and it's make peace of mind your priority and organize your life around it. Because when you are in a calmer and happier state of mind, everything else will work itself out and everything else will come back together or come together. So by making peace of mind your priority and organizing everything else around it, um, you're giving yourself the best chance of feeling good and so often we don't make that the priority everything else comes first and taking care of ourselves goes to the bottom of the pile so that would be my first kind of overarching tip secondly I would say schedule in time for yourself because we all live by our diaries and as I was saying before so often things can seem less important taking care of ourselves can seem less important in the moment when we've got a massive to-do list or we've got other people you know, wanting things from us, but actually scheduling in maybe a bath on a Wednesday night or 10 minutes of meditation on a Friday morning can mean that we're much more likely to stick to it and we're carving out that time for ourselves. And the third self-care tip would be to get into the habit of knowing what it is that we're feeling and allowing ourselves to feel it and there's a resource that you can find online called the feelings wheel if you just google feelings wheel you'll find a very colorful wheel that lists every emotion or you know a couple of hundred emotions that we can experience and it's a really great practice to get into consulting the wheel and just asking ourselves how am I really today and choosing maybe two or three of those emotions because Often we don't actually know how we're feeling and we use very broad terms like I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling stressed to describe how we're feeling. And yet that might not really accurately describe what we are feeling. So I did this the other day and I thought I was feeling, you know, stressed and I looked into it and, and looked into the wheel and looked into myself and, and realized actually I'm feeling disappointed and lonely today. And knowing that that's what I was feeling helped me to take more accurate action to help myself to feel supported and, and feel better and there is also something about labeling emotions and naming emotions that 
in our brains actually has a calming effect. And they've done studies into this. There's a saying, you've got to name it to tame it when it comes to emotions. So naming it is really helpful. And then just giving yourself permission to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. You know, so often we distract ourselves. I have definitely been known to pick up my phone if I'm feeling nervous or sad or, you know, reach for, you know, something sugary, but actually just allowing ourselves to feel what we're feeling and giving ourselves a bit of time to breathe through the feelings, maybe to write, write, write about them or tell someone else what we're feeling. And this is just a great, you know, self-care practice that I think is so helpful for anyone. Wow, they are such good tips. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. I feel like there's so much we can all learn from those. Now, what I'd like to do, Chloe, before we finish is just do a few quick fire questions for you. Are you up for doing that? Yeah, let's do it. Brilliant. Okay, so here goes. Bath or shower? Shower. Juice or smoothie? Smoothie. Hair or makeup? Uh, Hair. Handshake or hug? Hug. <laughs> nights out or nights in? Definitely nights in. No, no contest. <laughs> <laughs> Countryside or seaside? Countryside. Visualizations or affirmations? Visualizations. Drive or be driven? Be driven. Pen and paper or laptop? Pen and paper. Yoga class or spin class? Yoga. Trainers or heels? Trainers. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. <laughs> face wash or cream cleanser? Ooh, face wash. A facial or a massage? Massage. A snowy winter's day or a hot summer's day? Snow. A morning person or night owl? 100% morning person. And your favourite colour? Orange. Favourite song? Smiley People by Niles Barkley. That's, That's what it's good. called. <laughs> it always gets people that question about favourite song. Like I always think like, if I I'm was sure. asked that, what would I say? It's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, your favourite memory? Um, probably something around when I first met my boyfriend, like the first Christmas that I spent together with my boyfriend. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Your favourite crystal? Um, I've got a, a big round um rose quartz on my desk and it's beautiful and I love having it there so that sounds lovely your favorite drink kombucha lovely and finally your number one tip for inner peace transcendental meditation amazing Chloe thank you so much if people want to get in contact with you can you tell us how they can yeah amazing thank you so much for having me I've actually got something coming up I confidence challenge that I'm running that I do once or twice a year and it's five days where we get together as a community online and I share different tools and practical challenges that people can get involved in that I'm very confident will help them to feel more confident by the end of the five days and they can join at karmau.com forward slash confidence and it's free to join. And that's happening at the end of February 2020. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram at Chloe Brotheridge. So I'd love to see anyone there. 
That's amazing. And we'll make sure we put your Instagram handle in the show notes and then people can just go straight through to that and find out about that amazing confidence challenge. Thank you so much, Chloe, for being on the Face Yoga Expert podcast day. You've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely guest Chloe was. I feel like she's given us so much helpful information and it was so nice to hear her story as well about how she used to suffer so badly from anxiety and panic attacks and now how she's able to stay a lot calmer and how she also shares this with all of her clients. So I really do hope that you were able to take some useful information from Chloe and do check out her website as well because her confidence challenge that she's starting sounds really really exciting so thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you again next time So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.